Hi everybody, my name's Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Would you pray with me? Yeah, Jesus, we, uh, Lord, we come and we just take a breath uh, of relief and of gratitude for the work that you have done for the power that you showed on the cross, for your ministry and for your life that has uh, granted us an opportunity just to come and to worship you today. So I pray that we would, uh, Lord, that we truly would hold on to this confession of hope that we have, uh, this hope that you have uh, brought us from darkness into life, Jesus, and that you are the light of the world and the darkness cannot overcome you. So we ask that you just be present in this place. We ask that your name will be glorified. We ask that you would continue to show us how to live holy lives. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the words that Gary is going to speak. We thank you for the message that he has prepared. And we ask that you just bless this time um, as we hear from Gary. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. We pray at the end of this service, would we be more in love with you than when we got here this morning? We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, would you welcome Gary up for me? <laughs> I'm so glad you got to meet Johnny. He is an amazing man, a young, growing pastor, feels a call in his life towards pastoral ministry and our missionary to fifth and sixth graders. So uh, please pray. That is, uh, I mean, I was in fifth grade once. I was never the age of these kids right now. So keep Johnny in your prayers and the whole ministry, student ministry team. How are you doing? Great. I love being with you. Love you so much. Uh, we're talking about one another's and we're talking about what it means, uh, those 59 commands. Johnny prayed that we would uh, look more like Jesus. And a lot of times we think that is a solo experience between us and God. But what we're doing this winter is understanding that no, 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 that's not a solo experience. Looking like Jesus is a communal experience. That's why there's 59 one another commands in the New Testament. And today we're looking at, and actually we're taking two weeks on this, we'll come back to this at the end of the series, what it means to encourage one another. No matter what your age is, no matter what position you hold in our society or stature, we are all wired with the innate need for encouragement. But what does that look like? I saw a vivid picture of that this week. I want you, in a minute, you're going to meet a man named Justin and his best friend, Patrick. They were um, birthed in the same hospital, 36 hours apart. And they were inseparable, as they say, best friends. 
Um, but as a young man, Justin uh, had three small kids, growing marriage, was diagnosed with a chronic disease similar to ALS, and within a year was confined as a young man to a wheelchair. Uh, he said, I looked at the deep, dark hole of despair and felt myself going in, but then I thought, I don't want to die before I die. I want to live before I die, even if my life is being cut short. And his best friend Patrick came alongside him. He's a nurse by trade and just loved him and encouraged him. Justin had a dream of walking the Camino de Santiago. Does anyone know about this in Spain, a 500-mile walk? Uh, and Justin came alongside and said, I'll push you. We'll do this together. Uh, and then what happened next is nothing short of just amazing in the encouragement as a vivid metaphor of what it means to come alongside one another. About two-thirds into the Camino, uh, they realized the next day was a very steep mountain that would be very hard for Justin to, push, to be pushed up. And so they were talking about it the night before, and two other pilgrims heard about this, and they said, we'll wait at the base of the mountain. We'll push you up together. So now they had three coming alongside Justin. When they got to the base of the mountain the next morning, there were 12 pilgrims waiting, and they literally carried his wheelchair up the mountain. I learned about this because Paul Williams sent me a video of this, and uh, it is a TED Talk. I want you to see just a small portion of that experience, and let's get a picture of what encouragement looks like. Are we ready? Watch this. And so here we are. Um, we're start we just left the village. There's 12 of us, and we're at the trailhead. The trailhead split between a road and, a, and the trail, and they, everyone turned around and said, hey, Justin, what do you want to do? And I said... Well, let's take the trail. Life's never easy. Let's make it happen. So uh, off we go down the trail. Almost immediately, we come around the corner, and it is straight up. So steep that just even on foot, it's very difficult to uh, navigate. So I was carried up this mountain by these people. It took six people to carry me. And I describe this as the most beautiful human symphony. I'm at the epicenter of all of it. This common objective to get me up to the top of this mountain where people were coming around me, picking, up and picking me up and carrying me. And as somebody else got tired, they would drop out and somebody else would come in. And as I'm getting pushed, pulled, and dragged up this mountain, other people, other pilgrims that were coming by were coming in. And I would turn around and there would be somebody new. And as we get closer to the top, I'm escorted by the police. <laughs> After about 10 hours, here we are at the final summit for that day. 17 people in total from countries all around the world. Uh, some people spoke English, some people didn't. And it's very difficult for me to articulate what that means. Um, I may never wrap my head around it. I may never un fully understand it. Um, who knows why these people did what they did to help me. But I do know this. I might not be able to walk. I might not be able to use my hands and feed myself. I might not be able to bathe or get my clothes on by myself. I might not be able to hold my children or even my wife's hand as I walk down the beach. 
but through the power of community, I climbed mountains. I've had the absolute joy of Justin in my life since day one. And he has pushed, pulled, and drugged me over my mountains time and time again. Every one of us has people in our lives who have pushed, pulled, and drug us over our mountains at some point in time. And every one of us has people in our lives who are desperate for hope, who are desperate for someone to come along and push them up the face of the mountains, over the precipice of the mountains, push them forward in life, push them beyond their limitations. So I want to close with a question. Who are you going to push? Those are both followers of Jesus, by the way. I want you to hold that question for the next 23 minutes that we have together. As we talk about biblical encouragement, who is God calling you to push, to pull, to stay in it for the long haul, to enable to go higher and further in Christ, in character, in a relationship, in any pursuit that Christ has put before you and them that matters for all eternity. The myth of the Western church is we can do it alone and Johnny's prayer is gonna be answered about us being holy just with us and God. The reality of the Bible is we need each other. We need one another. So grab your message notes and let's look at what is biblical encouragement and what does that mean to push one another. Page one, encouragement defined. Uh, to define it, I want to just show you picture and give you scripture. This word is used all over and it's a broad range what this word means. But let's start in Colossians chapter four. If anyone uh, was in a maverick for the kingdom of God, it was the apostle Paul. But in chapter four, he lists his supporting cast. It's like the end of a great movie, chapter four. It just lists name after name after name after name that pushed, pulled, and enabled Paul to be who he was. One of them, let's just read part of it. Verse seven and eight. Tychicus will tell you good news about me. And look, he says, he's a dear brother. By the way, Paul is in prison when he's writing this. He's, he can't even write because he's chained. He's speaking this letter to a person. He says, he's a dear brother. He's a faithful minister and servant, a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstance and that he may, and this is what Tychicus did. What's the next three words? Encourage your hearts. So something we learned that biblically encouragement is different than a compliment. It's different than just saying, wow, you look great today and you do look great today. I'm glad you showed up. Biblical encouragement goes deeper into the first century follower of Jesus. The heart was the nucleus of everything, of the decision-making, of the motives, of the emotions. And he says, I'm bringing Tychicus to you, not that he can just say, a boy, a girl, but he can give you a word that goes deep inside you and pushes you to become further than you ever could, humanly speaking. Who's your Tychicus? To whom are you a Tychicus? Biblical encouragement doesn't focus on what a person is capable of in and of themselves. 
The difference between biblical encouragement and a compliment is it focuses on who you are, ready, in Christ. Who we have, what we have, all of heaven's availability of resources in Christ. Look at the next verse, Romans 1, 11 to 12. Is it in your notes? It's not in your notes. Free of charge. Romans 1, 11 to 12. Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, and here it comes, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Every day, uh, there's someone in this church that practices this with me. And they uh, get up before I do. And by the time I get up and make my way to my table with espresso and open my Bible, they beat me to the Bible. And they sit with God and they encourage me by sending one verse that they've read that day that they think would be an encouragement to me. Every day. This is what came in my inbox this morning. Let the message of Christ, Gary, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That's Colossians 3.16. What they've done is soaked in the Word. They've become so enriched by it. Like, this is for Gary. Gary, here you go. And it's not just a compliment. It's the Word of God that goes deep in me. And I want to say this. Encouragement is like oxygen in the life of of any relationship, especially the church. It keeps hearts beating for Christ. It keeps minds clear in thinking about Christ. It keeps hands inspired to serve Christ because encouragement is so important to the church. God doesn't recommend it. He commands it. It's the last time. I'm not saying this is if you don't. I mean, I'm expecting that you do. But when is the last time you intentionally encouraged someone else? Like, it's intentionally. And what does this look like? I want you to open your Bibles now. We'll stick here for the rest of the sermon. Hebrews chapter 10. Johnny read it. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, you, maybe you don't know this. The book of Hebrews was written to a community of followers of Jesus who were almost about to throw in the towel. Uh, they were new in faith. They were uh, what we call today Messianic Jews, grew up in Judaism, embraced Jesus as their Messiah, and they paid a price for it. They were so discouraged that whoever wrote Hebrews, we don't really know, whoever wrote Hebrews comes alongside them and says, don't give up, don't throw in the towel. You've got what it takes in Christ. And then Johnny read the passage, but I want to I just focus on verse 23 to 25 and look at what is this thing called encouragement? And I'm going to point out a few things. Turn to page two in your notes. Let's look at this. First thing we need to know, it thrives in Christian community. It thrives in Christian community. Verse 25 says this, don't give up meeting together. Now, I always learn that verse saying, don't give up doing this. Um, and that's important. Thank you for doing this, gathering on Sunday. But I want to encourage you, we're saying this whole series when it talks about meeting together, that's the word we get synagogue today from. It means to congregate. It's talking about circles, not necessarily rows. Because we believe church happens better in circles than it does in rows. Rows are important. We talked about this last week. Rows are inspiring. This is the grace fest. 
This is where we celebrate. He's faithful. May Jesus Christ be praised. How can you not have a smile on your face with the opening songs we sung? But if this is all you get in your meeting together, you are falling woefully short in your experience with Jesus Christ. He longs for you to be in a circle. That's why we're pushing you, inviting you, imploring you to get in a small group. Don't give up circling around together. That's what he's saying. So important. Justin in the video said this. Did you catch it? When he was being carried up, he said, I felt like I was engaged in a beautiful human symphony that I was at the center of carrying me up the mountain. That's the body of Christ, my friends. It's not in denial of all the pain of the world. It's the uh, understanding of the kingdom of God amidst the pain. Who's your symphony? Who are the people that come alongside you and care about what matters in your life from heaven's throne? Your Christ-like character. The relationships that matter most to Jesus. Your effectiveness for the kingdom of God wherever you live, whatever you do Monday to Saturday. Who cares when, you're, when you feel like throwing in the towel? Who knows you that well? I'm part of a community like that, and our moniker, I actually put it, it'll come up on the screen, but I put it, the quote on page, uh, it's not on page one, it's not in your notes. I put it on the screen. It says this, uh, what if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known, and I wouldn't be loved less, but more in the telling of it? Could that not be the church? Could that not be what Jesus had in mind? Not to give license to the worst of us, but to give an authentic community. And we'll, the next message on encouragement, we'll talk about the broad range of this word, not just meaning rah, rah, go. You've got what it takes in Jesus. The other side of that that we'll look at the next time is a reproof. It means to encourage to say, stop. I'm just standing before you in that next step because I am concerned that you're about to step into something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. Where do you have to get out the worst of you where someone can be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus? I wouldn't be able to be before you or be who I am. I could never be the dad of five daughters or a husband sticking in uh, and I married way out of my league, but 20 years still in a growing marriage, passionately pursuing my wife, if I didn't have a place that was so safe, every week, every day, that the worst of me could be known, and I wouldn't be loved less, but more in the telling of it. See, the first essence of encouragement is a commitment to a community like that. There's mutuality here. When we gather as a church in circles, according to Jesus and other New Testament writers, we do so not only to be taught, not only to consume and experience, not just to be counseled and shepherded, but according to the New Testament, the goal of gathering as a church is to engage in a catalytic one another experience where there's mutuality. 
where if you're a regular follower of Christ, and I understand people in here might not be, and you're so welcome here, but you come with a mindset to serve, to give, to worship. You ask Jesus, who is it in this building who needs you, who needs encouragement, who needs prayer? That's not just Peter's job, my job. It's all our job. Friends, that is the church Jesus had in mind. That's the church Jesus died to establish. So important. I was looking this week at some world records. Do you know what the world record is for the high jump? It's just a little over eight feet. I'm 6'4". Can you imagine somebody being able to take their body eight feet up in the air over a bar? And then I looked at the world record for the pole vault. Do you know what the world record is for the pole vault? It is a little over 20 feet. Can you imagine someone able to catapult their body 20 feet in the air? Now, what's the difference? Why can one person go 8 feet and one person go 20 feet? Because the pole, the 20-footer, has something to lean on. That's the picture of biblical encouragement. It's not just you. You can do it. It's not just uh, self-help. It's God help, ready, through each other. Giving each other, feeding each other scriptures like my friend does. Or feeding each other a perspective like my friend does. And you don't give up. Don't give up, the Bible said, meeting together. You know, I'm, I'm blown away that even Jesus was committed to this value. The most human human who ever lived. Perfect in every way, right? So the basic Christian doctrine Yet he chose to live his life in community. And even at the end of his life, when it was the worst, what if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known and I wouldn't be loved less but more in the telling of it? Let me show you where this is modeled. Mark, don't turn there. Stay in Hebrews 10, but it'll be on the screen. Mark, it's in your notes too. Mark chapter 14. They went to a place called Gethsemane which means olive press. They would press down the olives and the, the weight of the cross would be pressed onto Jesus in this garden to where instead of olive oil coming out of olives, blood would come through his veins. He'd sweat. Jesus said here, the worst of me, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to become deeply distressed and what? Troubled. Now he's going to let the worst of him be known. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said. I know I'm supposed to go to the cross tomorrow, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think I might die tonight at the thought of what's going to happen tomorrow. What if there was a place where the worst of me could be known and I wouldn't be loved less but more in the telling of it. Stay here and keep watch. See, the church thrives on pods of that kind of community. That kind of community that says, my marriage is in the tank and I need your help. We need your help. Will you hold us accountable? That kind of community that says, I'm not the dad that I think I should be. I'm losing my temper a little too much. Would you check in on me regularly? 
that kind of community that says, you know what, I'm slacking off at work. I have a huge project. I want to honor God in it. Would you pray with me, please? See, the church thrives on that kind of community, a committed community. Then, what are we committing to? Look at the bottom of page two. There's some essential ingredients here. Let us consider. The word means to stop and think, to ponder, to reflect on. Our community, our friends around us, and think through, boy, what can I do? What can I say? How can I serve so they grow in Christ-like community? Consider. It, it, it means to think. We don't think about this a lot in our friendships when it comes to Christ-like character, but it's so important. Do you have people like that? Are you a person like that? Where you're so mutually entwined in the walk of faith that you say to them, your walk matters to me as much as my walk. And I'm all about me growing in Christ's likeness. First of all, I would just invite us all to have that as a priority. I know you do. But I'm just as committed that you be Christ-like too. And I've been praying for you, and, and God just brought this to mind. You're considering. That's the first one. Look at the second one, how we might spur one another on. You know what that word? Here's our word for the day. It means to irritate. <laughs> right now, some of you are going, oh, I married that. No, you're wrong, because that's not the kind of irritation we're talking about. It means to sharply disagree or to sharply confront, to bring a hard word. We'll talk about this the whole next sermon. Do you know, about a year ago, I got a call from someone in this church, one of my uh, persons in my circle, and he said, um, I, I'm afraid to give this to you, but I had a dream about you, and I think it was from God. In that dream, you were just being punched in the face again and again and again. I think there's some trials ahead of you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Now, that's not necessarily what we think of encouraging, but that was an encouraging word. Then, a week later, I got a call from our director of world missions from Chicago, national office, like, hey, I just need you to know, I had this dream. These two people don't know each other. They live, you know, 3,000 miles apart. He goes, I'm afraid to bring this dream to you, but I got to tell it to you because I feel like God wants me to. In this dream, you're being punched in the face again and again and again. I think you're in for a very hard season of ministry. I'm praying for you. That's spurring one another on. My wife, I'm sorry, my daughter, who's over at the 905, is a horse girl. And two weeks ago, we were in Woodside. I was watching her uh, in her horse lesson. She was doing a jump, and her horse was capable of doing the jump, but wouldn't do it. He had a mind of his own. And so the instructor said, here, and she gave her a crop. She doesn't wear spurs, but a crop. It's a small leather whip. And she said, just smack the horse right before the jump. And she went around and inflicted just a little bit of pain. Whack, whack. And the horse leapt. That's what it's talking about. Let us consider, that's encouragement, how we can spur one another. 
how we can bring the truth in love to one another and encourage one another. The third essential ingredient is around uh, telling each other what we've just talked about, who you are in Christ. And then look at the result, the bottom page too, the result of encouragement. We encourage each other towards what? Love and good deeds. This is amazing, my friends. This is how the church is to advance on the fuel the Holy Spirit uses when it comes to a horizontal community is the word of God and encouragement one to another so that you engage in love and good deeds. Love means your character grows. Good deeds means an active, compassionate, Jesus-empowered service. I'm just telling you, encouragement is the oxygen that's going to give life to our mission when it's done right when it's done this way. Who is that for you? NPR had an article I read this week about an event that happened last May in Detroit. There was a a man at one in the morning on an overpass on a major highway in Detroit was gonna leap, wanted to end it all. And the CHP were talking him off the ledge, literally. And they stopped traffic, it's a protocol, And then they called and let through every semi-truck. And this is what happened. They changed the distance of jumping from 16 feet to 5 feet. And after two hours, the man walked into the arms of the police to get help for his hopeless state. That, my friends, is my third picture of encouragement. Have you missed the two? A man being carried in a wheelchair, a pole that you lean on, truckers as a safety net. I'm just telling you, if this, um, how do I say this well? When this becomes more of a value for us, our mission will be accelerated. Because who doesn't want that? for their lives. So as we close, I have questions for you. Which metaphor is it that sticks with you? Who are you gonna push? Who are you gonna carry up a mountain? Who is God calling you to be the pole to lean on? No one glorifies the pole when the pole vaulter breaks the world record. No one says that was a great pole. They all glorify the pole vaulter. Who is it that God's put in your life? You don't care if you get the glory. You're committed to them being everything Jesus wants them to be. To whom will you be the safety net? When we come back in a few weeks, we'll talk about Hebrews 3, 13, which talks about this word encouragement in a different light, but it says you've got to do it daily. Daily, on page three, I've talked about practical ways to encourage each other, but would you make a commitment today, this week, just try it, I want you to try it. Before you leave this building, encourage someone. Encourage someone, before you leave this building. And then before you go to bed, do it again. And then tomorrow, do it again. 
and do it again. And you see the results in your life. And more importantly, the results in a community. And most importantly, you watch how loving good deeds infiltrate our city. And we see a harvest of men and women coming to know Jesus because they say, man, if that's what Jesus is like, I want to be a part of that. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for uh, this exhortation. It seems so easy, but we pass it by. Give us the conviction, Lord, that our stuff, our relationship with you is a first-person plural. There's no I when it comes to the church. Give us that commitment, Lord. We love you. We need you. We thank you. Pray these things in Christ's name. And while your head's bowed, I'm going to ask right now, would you be willing to make a commitment this week, every day, to practice this? That you wouldn't just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. This week. This week, I'm all in. God, let us be that mutually encouraging, empowering community you had in mind to one another well in this regard. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.